Hello, and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Christina Warren, senior developer advocate at GitHub, and Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack. All three of us back on the show together for the first time in a few weeks, and I'm excited because it's going to be a super Rocket episode. Did you enjoy your week off, by the way? I did. I did. Yes. Thank you very, very, very much. I appreciated it. We had uh, two pretty substantial rocket rules that <laughs> happened uh, last week. Longtime listeners will know, and new time listeners, new time listeners are about to find out. Uh, our show has a great track record of publishing an episode on the day that a piece of news very specific to all of our interests breaks. Um, and last week we really got <laughs> two big ones. Uh, but we'll start uh, we'll start today with uh, our little our first little update on one of these stories, which is that Sonny Belwani, ex-president of Theranos, was found guilty of all charges of fraud against him last Thursday, mere mm. hours after Brianna and Christina recorded. <laughs> yep. Usually we record on Wednesdays, Wednesday nights even, and release on Thursday. Last week, you, you two recorded on a Thursday morning, bright and early, happy stars <laughs> in your eyes, thinking, here we go, publishing an episode the same day of recording. What could possibly happen? And lo, <laughs> this was done to you. So Balwani potentially faces up to 20 years in prison, although it's the same uh, cases with Elizabeth Holmes. It's not likely either of them will serve that full amount of time. Uh, the charges are, per Bloomberg, two counts of conspiring with Holmes, six counts of defrauding investors, four counts of patient fraud. <laughs> uh, so that's more charges than Holmes was found guilty of. She, uh, six months ago, was acquitted of the patient fraud and a couple other uh, investor fraud claims were left undecided. Um, sentencing for both will come this fall, Holmes on September 26th, and then Balwani on November 15th. So the Theranos saga is uh, trundling towards an end. I don't know that it is, though. I mean, uh, you know, uh, her sentencing was uh, like backed off today. It was supposed to be in September. I think they pushed it to October, which I was very sad to hear because I'm eager to get my Christina box uh, right. sent to me. Uh, uh, so I don't know. And then there's going to be the coverage of when they invariably like get released too early and there's a public uh. <laughs> outrage. You know, like we've got many more. There's a lot more juice to squeeze from this lemon is my message. Yeah, totally. Also, uh, Emmy um, nominations came out this week and the dropout, which uh, we were all three of us were big fans of, was nominated for um, best, uh, I guess, uh, miniseries or, or movie or whatever. And um, uh, 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 Amanda Siegfried was was uh, nominated for best actress in um, a, oh, a miniseries good. or limited um, uh, series, limited series, I think is what they call it now, not miniseries. So uh, yeah, so so it's up for a few. Uh, I mean, it's it's tough competition this year. Like there's a lot of stuff that uh, th that she's up against. So that is not um, like well, like what? Well, everybody in White Lotus uh, was nominated. Oh really? Oh yeah. Like is White this the is Station Eleven nominated this year? No, it should have been. It was nominated for a couple of things, but it was it was pretty screwed to be honest with you. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, the We Crashed was completely locked out for a limited series. The nominees were Dope Sick, The Dropout, Inventing Anna, Pam and Tommy, and Dope White Six. Lotus. Yeah. 
So Dope Sick okay. is up, up for a lot, but when it comes to lead actress in a limited series or movie, this is where she's going to have a really hard time. It's Tony Collette for The Staircase, which I think is a very, very strong contender. Uh, Julia Garner for Inventing Anna. Lily James, oh. Lily James first Pam and Tommy. Sorry, Lily James, you're not even coming close to this. No, yes, Sarah, <laughs> Sarah Paulson, yeah. who uh, is an Emmy winner and, and fantastic for Impeachment, American Crime Story. Margaret Qualley mm, for Made, and Amanda Seyfried for The Dropouts. So this is hard. Um, it's it's either well, it's pretty tough. And, and and Julia Garner is also up for Ozark, I believe. So she is somebody who might get it for Ozark and then not for um, Inventing Anna. Um, I actually think she has a much stronger chance of getting Best Supporting Actress in a Drama Series. Um, In that category, she is up against um, two of the actresses from Succession, but I think they might cancel each other out. Um, uh, One Mm -hmm. of the actresses from Squid Game, Christina Ricci in Yellow Jackets, uh, Rhea Seahorn in Better Call Saul, and and Sydney Sweeney in Euphoria. But I think Julia Garner, if if she's going to get it, I think she'll get it for Ozark. But I think limited series. That's brutal, though. That's it that is. sounds way worse of a category than it limited is. series. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is best, it, and that's that's supporting. Yeah, the uh, the some of the categories this year are just rough. But I I think it's going to be Tony Collette. But do either of you want to put money? <laughs> I would. No, no, no. Let me tell you, Christina wouldn't bet against me. Like if we had opinions about where the nine eleven market is going to go, right. I am not begging against Christina on any award show. I don't follow this stuff. I have no sense <laughs> of it. I'm always wrong. So that answer is no. <laughs> yeah, right. and, and and it's tough enough that I don't know. But but good luck to her. Um, I mean, because uh, honestly, like I would love to see either Julia Garner or Amanda Seyfried uh, win. But I mean, I do think though. The success of the show, I think we'll get a second season. I know when we asked Rebecca, she was like, oh, we we can't, we have an offer. But Amanda Seyfried has been vocal about wanting to play the character again. Ooh. And I and I just don't, I just don't see how you don't do a follow-up about the trial. I just don't see how you don't do Especially that. Especially when, like, she's going to go to jail. Like, like that's that's good television. I uh, will, potentially, I will right? <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, it's possible that maybe they're waiting for the outcome of that, right? Maybe they're waiting to th- for, for the outcome to see how they Brie, could write it. are you at. speaking it into existence? <laughs> I, 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 I... I think my odds are good, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, but Sunny Sunny didn't even testify. Like this, yeah. the trial got no coverage because for many reasons, uh, sexism being some of it, but in, I'm I yep. it is not the entire reason at all. Uh, there are many reasons to play into this. No one cared about his trial. I I didn't even like I wasn't even following it. Um, no one was really there. Yeah, but I didn't even know it was happening. I'll be perfectly honest. That's with what y'all. I'm saying. Like 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 <laughs> it, 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 some of it is sexism, but I that is in no way the whole thing. She's just much more fascinating. Um, but he yeah. didn't even testify. Like he didn't even like. I, so I don't even know what defense they even put good, on. Right? Because what I was reading, uh, I think from uh, Bloomberg, was that it potentially opens up her up to more uh, har- harsher sentencing because. They can say the prosecutors can say she literally lied on the stand, like she lied to you, right? Um, and I, I know from from listening to a date with Dateline a lot, uh, I guess testifying in your own trial is actually really uncommon. Be- it is specifically for that reason. It is. Here's the thing, though: she was acquitted on half the charges. Sure. So I think that. So I think in a sentencing <laughs> argument, if if I if I'm the attorney, and I'm obviously not a lawyer, but if I were making that argument, because you're right, most people don't testify. It's usually not a smart idea. Only in movies. Well, in a case like this, though, all the experts said the only chance she had of being acquitted was to testify. That was it. Um, yeah. And and so he's in the same situation. The only chance that he had 
would be like either the evidence was so weak that you are going to ignore all of that and find him not guilty or you're going to testify. Like that's that's the only thing you can do. So yeah. um, and she was clearly convincing enough. I mean, even like when they talked to the jurors afterwards as a, you know, the, the Rebecca Jarvis's podcast, The Dropout, uh, which, you know, series is based on, um, uh, mm-hmm. talked to some of those jurors. I mean, they they believed her. They thought that she was guilty and did wrong things, but they didn't like get this sense that she was like some pathological sociopath liar. So mm-hmm. if if I'm asking for like sentencing stuff, I, the fact that she was acquitted or they were unable to come to a decision on half the charges, I think y- you could make an argument to a judge to say, yeah, maybe, you know, I, I don't think it comes as, as, as you know, uh, cut and dry as being like, clearly the jury didn't believe her because that's not what happened. The jury clearly yeah. did believe at least some of what she said. Okay. Well, it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. Um, do we think, do we think that his sentence, knowing, knowing that you two have a bet on whether or not she will serve jail time, <laughs> do we think that his sentence will be harsher than hers is? I mean, that's obviously a really more charges, good but. question because yeah. men statistically for the same crime typically end up doing more jail time, yes. right? They do. But which I think we'd all agree is of many problems in our justice system. That's one of them. But yeah, that's that's really hard because mm-hmm. I in a lot of ways she like she was the ringleader, right? Well, so I mean, ooh, I mean that's tough. It is tough. I don't know. I mean, I think that I think that her team and 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 they didn't, you know, argue it's going to come down to the arguments for sentencing. I think that she has better lawyers. Yeah, I, I yeah. think that we believe she's the ringleader. I think right. that's not what they proved in court. No, it's not at, at, at all. I, I think I think that she has significantly better lawyers and um so for the systemic reasons aside, I I would put, and also the fact that he was convicted of six counts that she was not convicted of. I think that yeah, he probably will be sentenced uh, more harshly, mm-hmm. but I don't know, right? That's, like that's fair. Help me, help me think through this though, because the judge decides on sentencing, yes. right? Not yes. the jury. And right. judges can, I assume, because of their legal training, like judges can have freely read all the 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 court coverage right like they can have a more complete picture well, of no it. They, they can still only take into yeah. account what was admitted into evidence they can't take any of the exculpatory stuff into account like that that's mm-hmm. that, that that's not allowed so the thing would be at this point the judge is going based on the statute and based on the arguments she's also a mother um she's younger oh, like there are a lot of arguments that can go in her favor i don't think either of them will be doing a lot of time if they do go to jail at all i still like I'm still standing by my bet, like, you know, I I don't know if she's going to actually serve any actual time. I just don't know. Do you, I have just one last question on this. Do you know if, uh, because he was charged or found guilty on patient fraud, do you know if there's any kind of financial compensation for those patients or is it just like, yeah, he did a bad thing. We're putting no, him away for a little bit, right? No, the, no, there, there wouldn't be. That would be in a civil case, and gotcha, and, gotcha. and the, the, those those uh, charges were already adjudicated and settled in other ways. So the the patients cool. they could maybe try to individually sue him based on those things. That would be difficult. Um, I think that they're probably SOL, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Hey, listen up. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Text Expander. Woo-hoo. When you work in a small team, every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conferencing details to send to a new client. You don't want to track down the same FAQs from the company website. These are the kinds of things that you want at your fingertips so that you can get your work done faster. And that is why you need Text Expander. 
With Text Expander, you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes, allowing you to work faster and eliminate repetition, letting you focus on what matters most to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work. All you have to do is type a short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest for you. You just build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within Text Expander, and then create your chosen abbreviation. And they'll be with you wherever you type. You can even customize those snippets by having them automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and more. This will make sure that you keep the personality in the communication that you send. Text Expander is available on any device that you use across any app that you use on Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. Ah, that's all the platforms. Uh, I can think of a a scenario, a recent scenario, that Text Expander is perfect for, uh, which is perhaps sending login details about a charity stream that one would be participating Mm. in, such as, hey, here's an invite to Discord. Here's what you need to do. Here's maybe a fill-in-the-blank field for what time you're expected to log on, Uh, explaining what the segment is. All of that, you don't have to type or copy-paste. You can just have it in a snippet, and boom, it can appear for you, again, on any platform you want. Christina, I know you use uh, Text Expander. Uh, is there a way that it boosts your productivity? Yeah, I mean, as, as I've mentioned a lot of times in these spots, I have a lot of things in Text Expander that will run um, various scripts for me when I'm on the command line. And um, so, like, one of them, like, I'm pulling up Text Expander right now as I'm doing this. And in some of my, you know, categories, like, I have things where if I'm wanting to do a demo, this actually uh, is, is something that I used a lot when I was in Tel Aviv a couple of weeks ago. I was doing some live coding demos. And... I don't want to memorize all the commands that I need to type in to run the demo and and set up a Docker container and and all that stuff. So instead, I just create a text expander snippet, and then I can insert all of that stuff automatically. So I can just type in two things rather than having to memorize and then have to, like, live hide on, like, on a stage (laughs) in front of people, you know, okay – you can all see me typing. I'm, I, I got a typo here. Let me go back, you know, getting errors. Like, I don't have to bother with that. So that's, that's one of my favorite things to do with it. That is excellent. And if that sounds good to you, listener, guess what? Uh, you need Text Expander. Check out Text Expander today at textexpander.com slash rockets. And you can get 20% off your first year. That is textexpander.com slash rocket to say goodbye to repetitive typing. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, second big topic, another breaking story from last week. Here we go. There was another <laughs> entry in the Elon Musk v. Twitter saga. Oh, God. It's Listeners of this show. I know. it's literally, <sighs> This is the rest of our lives. Once a month for the rest of this show. Listeners will know that Elon Musk CEO of Tesla, general billionaire, spaceman, tunnel, whatever, after goofing off on Twitter, made a $44 billion offer to buy the platform. It was accepted by the board, uh, setting off a carnival of stock price fluctuations at Twitter and at uh, Tesla. Musk's offer uh, was for $54.20 a share, uh, which at the time uh, the board was like, yeah. And Elon was like, that seems fair, I guess. now Twitter is hovering uh, around below the $40 per share mark. Uh, when I was looking at this, it was like 36. I don't know where it is exactly today. 
We'll see. Then after this whole contract inked, signed, I guess we're done here. Uh, Musk started making noises about backing out of the deal over claims that Twitter had inflated its real user count and was incorrectly reporting the number of bots on the platform. Notably, the contract that he had signed waived due diligence, essentially saying he was fine and not seeing the numbers, this whatever. Uh, and Twitter, it did give him access to a fire hose of data. Uh, finally, last week, he said, you know what? Bye. I'm out leaving him on the hook for a contractual payout and opening him up to a lawsuit from Twitter, which is what is happening. And Twitter is also suing him. Lawsuit from Twitter. Yes. Okay. Sorry. 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 Okay. Sorry. Yes. (laughs) In Twitter's complaint, which was filed in Delaware, the company says that Musk's backing out uh, wasn't over any legitimate reason, but just because the stock market had freaked out about the deal, uh, putting Musk's fortune in jeopardy. uh, They are also bringing up that Musk apparently did not approve a retention plan for key Twitter employees who were at risk of leaving uh, because of their quite reasonable uncertainty about what was happening at the company. Uh, Musk is pretty unpopular with uh, many key employees there. And there was, and Musk had talked on Twitter about, on Twitter, of course, because that's how we conduct business here, about wanting to do layoffs at Twitter, uh, which understandably made people very confused and nervous. Uh, In the meantime, of course, Twitter CEO Parag Agrawal had fired the product chief and revenue product lead while the former was on paternity leave. which is its own. I, I think that is also one of the issues that Musk's side is bringing up. Is like, hey, we didn't, we didn't approve either a hiring freeze or you firing these guys. What's going on here? So they are prepared to duke it out in court. What, <laughs> what do y'all make of of this happening, Bree? Why, why don't you, why don't you start? First of all, I mean, sorry to make you beat me, but this is obviously. Show, uh, but like y'all read the lawsuit, right? It's like very the good. lawsuit, watching journalists go through this in real time, like on Twitter was so beautiful, y'all. And then, like, you know, my husband has done billable hours before, uh, like at a law firm. So I'm like thinking that they some really expensive law firm that Twitter hired is like doing due diligence for $400 an hour and they're pouring through Elon Musk's oh. like entire Twitter feed mm-hmm. and finding like an emoji, a poop emoji, and they're screenshotting it. Of course they're screenshotting it because someone that makes partner is not going to know how to take a screenshot on the computer. <laughs> so, Oh, what like, I would give to be a legal that, intern doing that. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. Beautiful. Oh, my God. The due diligence on that. Um, the, the lawsuit, it's very, very human readable. And, um, you know, just really getting real with all of you, the lawsuit paints a picture of a man that is frankly too immature, too reckless, too destructive, to like be thrown the keys to Twitter in a way that you would feel good about it, yet they're still trying to make the deal go through. That's how broken capitalism is. They built Twitter. They're in charge of being good stewards of Twitter. They have a fiduciary duty, and yet they have to go to court to force this sale because, like, the incentives are not aligned with keeping the thing strong and, like, working in the user's best interest. It's crazy town. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So the, the the law firm here, as I was talking about the Elizabeth Holmes thing, she has better lawyers than Sonny did, clearly. Um, and I don't know who Elon's lawyer is. 
Um, but I do know a little bit about the firm that Twitter hired, which is Wachtell Lipton. Um, they're good. They're very, 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 very good. Uh, they invented the poison pill, the entire concept of a poison pill, which, oh. which is the idea of basically putting something in a contract that will kind of nullify and make the deal not good. Um, they also most famously, I mean, this is a subject of terrible conspiracy theories, but I think this is worth saying because this was a massive landmark case. They were the uh, firm that, that represented the um, um, leaseholder of uh, the World Trade Center. Um, uh, and, and, uh, we're able to get him four point something billion dollars to rebuild the world trade center from the insurance companies. Um, and, and, and they, the billable hours on that, I don't even remember what it was, but it was some massive thing. I remember reading something years ago, um, God, back when, when I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, I remember reading about like what the, um, I guess, like process was for them to put that lawsuit together and to fight that. And it was insane. So this is not just like a any good law firm. This is like one of the best law firms in the world. And um, they don't mess around. And they're very good with contracts. Like I would say they're probably some of the most preeminent like contract like uh, experts on this sort of thing. So but you're exactly right. Where you're in this weird situation where obviously I don't think anybody even anyone at Twitter wants him to own this thing, but at the same time, and this is what I think is so depressing, like Twitter's been so hurt by this that mm-hmm. some people are saying, "Oh, we'll just have him pay the billion dollar breakup fee." That's not enough. The thing is is that they have been hurt just beyond just what the stock price has dropped, right? Cuz the entire market has dropped. Um and and I and I think that, you know, the the lawsuit kind of makes it it seem like that might be kind of some of the precipice of this is that he's exposed more than he wants to be and doesn't want to be involved in, in in this and that. But, you know, like but the, the company has been hurt and at this point if mm-hmm. he doesn't buy them, I don't know what else happens to the company, right? Like if if you I mean, to me, the only fair thing would be to be like, okay, well, Elon has to pay them whatever the difference was between, you know, the stock price and and where it is now, right? Like if he had to pay them, you know, like 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 $10 billion or something basically for, mm-hmm. for, for messing up their company, I think that would be fair. But I don't think that's actually how it'll work. So I don't know, you know, I, I, I kind of, uh, Prague Agarwal, the CEO, he's not going to be the CEO after this thing ends up no matter what like like he, he he's not ceo in 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 any case um and and frankly probably should not have been made ceo to begin with i think um you know based on on decisions that he's made and people i've talked to but you look at the the loss what, what's painful to me is someone who has a lot of friends who work at twitter or worked at twitter I mean, this is anecdotal this isn't you know anything uh, whatnot but i i've i've probably had a dozen friends who worked at twitter three months ago whenever this first thing started half of them have quit. Oh my God. Half of them. Um, like literally I was going through my head and I went, oh my God, like, like six or seven of them have left in, in, you know, and, and, um, and that's just, wow. You know, so the, the brain drain is real. The company's been hurt. Now, if you do win this lawsuit, then you have to still operate in this climate where the, uh, you know, where people are, are afraid of a recession, where people aren't wanting to invest as much in tech things, where like, like you know, the the um, the 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 bull market is over. So what do you do, right? Like, it, it, it's a really bad situation. And, and as I've mentioned before, as bad as Elon is, what's more than likely going to happen. I hate saying this, is that after all this stuff is sorted out in the courts. Someone else will come in and, and, you know, some private equity funds or whatever will Mm -hmm. come in and buy it Mm -hmm. and take it private. And that will honestly 
be no better, right? <sighs> so this is just, this whole thing is just really awful. Yeah, I, yeah, I feel like what's happened terrible. over the course of this is like a power, a huge power vacuum has opened up because yep. Parag Agarwal, I don't know what he could have done, but what happened is that he was kind of bullied and pu- like shoved around by Musk, you know, messing with him on Twitter, messing with the company on Twitter, saying, I'm going to be on the board. No, I'm not going to be on the board. I'm going to buy the company. No, I'm not going to buy the company. And Agarwal's just kind of trying to hold the line there and it's not working. And it kind of feels like this, this is a conspiracy. I don't think that this is what happened, but it's basically like if he had, if Elon Musk had wanted to just like run in like a bull in a China shop, mess up all of Twitter's stuff and leave like that. That's what's essentially happened to them is that he's gone in and trashed the place and whatever consequences he faces, what Twitter's consequences will probably be more absolutely permanent. 100%. No, I I think you're exactly right. Like, I think that's the, that's the worst part of this is that no matter what his consequences are, which will be financial in nature and he, but he's still going to have plenty of money and he gets to go tee hee hee. Exactly. He still gets to do that stuff. And um, yeah, it's just he gets, gets to father more, you know, secret children and, and do all those things. And <laughs> oh, like, it, you know, That's it's a just, whole story. but like, it, it just sucks. No, I was just going to say, though, you know, first, Christine, I completely agree with what you said. But Simone, getting back to your point, uh, talking on like, if, if, Elon Musk had had the goal here to completely destroy Twitter. What would he do differently? Like literally nothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you think that this is going to, you know, how can I put this? The stock valuation of Tesla is based on this idea of Elon Musk's like vision of, of the future, right? Mm-hmm. Elon Musk has this vision of the future that he's going to execute with, you know, full self-driving cars and Optimus robots and, you know, all these beautiful, wonderful things. And I think when you see this situation come to fruition, right? I, I really think it's it's kind of akin to Trump, right? Like in the sense that before mm-hmm. he ran for president, I think a lot of people were like, oh, he's a successful businessman. You know, oh, he owns a bunch of real estate. And he just hadn't thought about it that deeply. I, I really feel like this is the moment that a lot of, certainly a lot of users and a lot of people in media are going, wait a minute, this guy's just a billionaire that stays up all day uh, posting 4chan memes that, you know, like to devalue uh, <laughs> major companies and end him in really expensive lawsuits. And He's screenshotting like hard drive child. articles and then cutting right. off the logo. <laughs> right, 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 sorry. 100%. Yeah, I mean, petulant child. Is, is, is this the moment that kind of starts to break this man's myth because I I really think there's only a certain, Mm. like there's a reason that people are thoughtful. Like people that we all love are thoughtful in the way that they use social media not me, which is why people don't love me. (laughs) But other people like famous actors are, are much more careful about what they, they put out in public. I I just think this is going to destroy a lot of that public goodwill. I, I feel like, I don't know. In the in the same way that people who are hardcore true believers in Donald Trump mm-hmm. are not swayed by any material evidence or story, I feel like that core base of Musk's will remain. 
Yeah, um, I, I, I tend to agree with that. I also, th- I, I do think that in terms of um, like winning new alkali- alkalites, that's probably true. But I think that the the diehards are going to remain a fan. What is interesting, you know, you mentioned Tesla. It was This was announced today as we're recording. We're recording on Wednesday that um, Andrej Karpathy, who was director, uh, Tesla's director of AI and like basically led their, their autopilot um, team and, and by many accounts is like a true pioneer and a true, like very, very big talent in AI and, and, and in the self-driving car space. He announced that he's leaving Tesla. So mm. they, they are losing like probably their top tech talent. And, and that is really, really significant. I think, um, you know, the interesting thing is, as, uh, you know, you alluded to Tesla stock has not done well with this Twitter news, like, like the Tesla shareholders have in general not been happy with, with the distraction. And, um, that stock has dropped quite a bit, which, which we've discussed before has, you know, kind of made him more exposed in terms of his, his personal liabilities, um, to this deal. Mm-hmm. Obviously he still more than had enough money and was able to get the the financing as, as the lawsuit made clear, like many, many, many times he got the, he got the money. He has the money. Uh, but, but Tesla shareholders have not been happy with this. And so, I, I think that the only thing I still think like the the fanboys will never be really put off. I don't think there's anything that will you know make them see reason, so to speak. But you do wonder about maybe the business community and and people in that regard. I would hope so. I mean, I would too. I would too, right? Like, but but I think uh, we didn't even talk about the fact that then you know Donald Trump and and Elon Musk are now fighting with each other, which. I have oh, to are say, they? oh yeah, they're really, yeah. they're, they're, oh, they're it's both, beautiful. it's wonderful. And I have to say the best thing about this, uh, because, Don, because, um, Elon Musk is basically telling Donald Trump to, to give it up and like go home old man. And Donald Trump is saying like, I told you that, that he was not going to buy Twitter and, and then claiming that like, oh you know, that, that, that Elon told him Failed that, that he voted for him and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, so they're, they're fighting. But the funny thing here is to see the people who love them both try to figure out whose side they're on. Oh. That's amazing. <laughs> no. I think a lot of them just love the drama. Well, yeah, but it's been really interesting to see them try to be like, well, you know, I love Donald Trump. He was the greatest president ever. But I think Elon's right. And then you see other people, well, you know, I love Elon <laughs> Musk and he's, I think, the greatest business mind of our time. But, you know, I, I, I need Donald Trump to be president. Like, it's really funny to see people have to grapple with the fact that these two narcissistic, um, you're going to have to bleep me here, like pieces of are fighting with each other on um, dueling social media platforms, which is also the best part of this. It is genuinely, I have to say, fantastic. Um, the last I, thing I, I want to—the last thing I want to say—and uh, it, 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 then you can can say anything you want. But last thing I want to say is the inevitable television series that is going to come out because of this saga of Twitter is going to be amazing. Like, I cannot wait for it. Like, I will inject it all in my veins. And and what's interesting is I've been talking to people who've worked at Twitter for a long time and, like, know the players very well and, like, feel very strong things about this. Uh, and they feel the same way. They're also like, yeah, yeah be- because I think everyone's sort of in shock, even the people who my my friends who've left and some of them, you know, were in, in pretty significant positions who, who've left or been, like, just kind of in shock that this whole thing happened and yeah. and it's terrible, but there's also this undeniable, like, dramatic and just like fascinating thing. As I've mentioned before, it's it's fascinating to to see that this is actually a real thing. This is like not fiction, and this is happening in front of us. It's the Frost <sighs> yeah. v Nixon that is Musk v Trump. 
<laughs> when that movie happens. I will not freaking watch it because it will stress me out and make me angry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're totally right. Sorry, Brie, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just going to add one more quick thing. This is just an addendum before we move on. So, Christina, you were talking about the drama on Truth Social with uh, Trump badmouthing Elon. So, of course, I wanted to log on and uh, and and like see the drama firsthand and read the comments. So, I have a warning. I have a warning for Rocket listeners. So, uh, so download the 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 Truth Social app, and I'm going through the sign up process for it. Right, and. They're like, okay, enter in your birth date. And I'm like, as a professional fundraiser, I'm like, I know what they want that. Yep. They want that to list match me. Why? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I give them a fake birthday. And then it's like, give me an, an email address. And then I'm like, huh, okay. So I'm on my iPhone. And then I figure out like how to go to the settings and get the Apple hide my email uh, feature to like generate a fake email right. uh, from your phone in an app that doesn't have that built in. So I'm like, awesome. And now I can block them and uh, I'll never have to hear from them or get some Republican fundraising emails. Great. So I keep going. And then they want your damn yep. phone number. Yep. Do not yep. give these people your phone number even to see the drama. I'm telling you, nope. as a professional fundraiser, this is the, the dark trifecta. Because if you give a fundraising team your phone number, your birth date, and an email address, they will mismatch that and they will sell it to everyone in God's creation <laughs> to call you to email you, to mail you stuff, to hound you, uh -huh. to turn your inbox into a sea of apocalypse. Yeah. Do not fall for this. Yeah, I was gonna say Don't I I, I was gonna say I learned this because I donated to you free. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. I've never sold it. I swear on a stack of Bibles. Um, okay, you know, well, I, I, I don't know. But, but I, 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 yeah, so. I, I, I don't know because I, I, I get like tons of, of outreach for, for various oh, things God, like all I'm the time. So sorry. I mean, look, it is what it is, but it, it it's fine. But like, um, yeah, but you're right. Don't don't give them your phone number. If you have a burner number that you can do, use that. Or there are Twitter and Reddit accounts that like list all this stuff. That's where I'm finding this stuff. There's no way in hell I'm giving these people my phone number. Are, 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 are you <laughs> absolutely not? No. Well, I, I'm glad for this little uh, clinic we've had in data safety. Now can let I, me can I ask one oh, question yeah. before ahead. we move on? This amount? I have an ethical question. When sure. you have to give your phone number, does it make me a bad person? Sometimes I put my husband's phone number. Oh, absolutely not. There. No, I do it too. Are you kidding me? Like at, at stores and stuff? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I do it. Because I know he doesn't answer his phone. So. Yeah, the same thing I was going to say. Like famously, Frank, not an incredibly technical person, although very intelligent in many ways. Grant, yes. on the other hand, a little more savvy is my impression of Grant. Yeah, but he also uh -huh. doesn't answer his phone and and doesn't even look at half the time. And and yeah, so exactly. Men don't answer their phones. <laughs> this episode it's of Rock Experience is brought to you by Trade. <laughs> Whoa, Trade is a coffee delivery system that provides me with joy every month. I've signed up to receive recommendations for coffees. They send me a coffee exactly to my requirements every month. And that's a schedule that I decided. I could get coffee much more regularly if I wanted, or I could get coffee seldom as a little treat. Uh, and finally, 
I am no longer the only Rocket host who has signed up to receive a bag of coffee from Trade. Brianna Wu, you recently oh experienced God. what I've been raving about for three months. Okay, 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 okay. So they give you like a whole quiz to figure out what kind of coffee you like. And I'm yes. like, I didn't want to get too fancy at first. So I went for, you know, just kind of the just answering standard stuff like wake me up in the morning. So this is my story. This is my experience. So I walk into the garage of my house. Now my garage is freaking huge. Okay. Two car garage, tons of tools everywhere. And then I'm like, bam, like, like a punch in the face. I'm like, what is that delicious smell? (laughs) My, my mail carrier had put the bag of coffee and it was too overflowing of coffee for them to get it through the mail slot. So <laughs> half the bag was in there. So even in the packaging, even in all the mail stuff, even when half of it was outdoors, this beautiful smell of delicious coffee is literally filling up my entire garage. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't freaking wait for tomorrow morning. And I'm like talking to Frank. I'm like, okay, please. It's a special cup of coffee. Like, give me extra. <laughs> Do this carefully because Frank is sweet enough to make the coffee before we go to bed. Aww. And I got it. And it was so, Simone, it was so good that I go, you know what? I'm just not going to go into Twitter land. And I left my phone <laughs> inside and I went into the backyard and watched birds in my wow. bird feeder and had a delicious cup of coffee. And I sat out there for a whole hour. It was freaking beautiful. It got you to log off. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. See, that, 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 sh- that should literally be their slogan. Like, it's so good, you'll log off. I love that. So, listener, when you become a trade customer, you can enjoy knowing that you've got the freshest and best tasting coffee you have ever made at home. And the coffee you'll be drinking will be from the country's best independent craft roasters, which helps those small businesses out a lot, too. And guess freaking what? Trade's got a coffee team that taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. Everyone has that one coffee that they just love and adore, and Trade is going to help you find that. They are so incredibly confident that they will match you right the first time that you take that little quiz. And if they don't, just give them your feedback, and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send a brand new bag for free. So you know you are going to be looked after. Uh it takes just a couple of questions. Like Brianna said, they have a whole quiz to get your own personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as often as you like. And I think Bri and I were both kind of, we were like, oh, we're just going to go basic. Like I think we both like basic coffee flavors, but they also have a ton of options for just being more adventurous with it and like trying things that are fruity, trying like different kinds of roasts, um, things like that. I like a cup, of the, a cup of coffee that tastes like a cup of coffee. Uh, and that's what I've gotten from them, uh, which is really awesome. Uh, they've now delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee with more than 750,000 positive reviews. And right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order, plus shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash rocket. That is more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash rocket and let trade find you a coffee that you will love. That URL one more time is drinktrade.com slash rocket for $30 off. 
I find it super fun. Uh, I enjoy getting that treat uh, when it comes to me. Our thanks to Trade for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, another big departure. Maybe not as akin to Elon departing from his deal with Twitter, but Johnny Ives' consulting agreement with Apple is reportedly over. In 2019, Ives left his longtime position as chief design officer at Apple to start his own design company, uh, but he retained a $100 million-plus consulting contract with Apple. The New York Times is reporting that both parties agreed not to extend that contract. Part of the agreement was that I would not take work from clients that Apple deemed competitors, which sounds quite limiting, especially considering his design experience, <laughs> you know, designing products for Apple. Uh, and also apparently some Apple employees had jumped ship to work for Ive's company as well. So that relationship is over. Do y'all have any thoughts about this? I know we talked about it when I've like left the company in the first place and we were pretty, I think uh, hard, but fair because we had just gone through the butterfly keyboard debacle yep. and like the ever the long quest for thin devices that he seems to have presided over at Apple. And since he's left, I think we've been pretty happy with the design of the products. Yeah, I mean, there have been a couple of exceptions, like, you know, the, mm -hmm. the bra, the, the case for the, the AirPods Max, which is deplorable, and um, <laughs> the, the camera on, on the new Mac Studio. Like, as I've said before, like, the, the people that designed those things need to just, you know, uh, although, you know, that's that was a hardware decision, I guess, in, in the studio thing rather than, although, no, no, I think it was probably a design thing, because they're like, no, we need it this thin, so we have to have this terrible camera in it. Like, you know, those things have been great. But yeah, by and large, I think that, uh, like, the as I've mentioned, like the 14 inch MacBook pro, the 16 inch as well. It's like a complete repudiation of everything that Johnny yeah. I have kind of built. Um, but, uh, yeah, Bri, I know you have some thoughts. Well, I, I guess I wanted to, I, I wanted to ask you particularly Christina. Yeah. This was my, my thought reading this New York times piece, which honestly the, the media coverage of this was, was very cursory. There's not really any, you know, it's not super juicy that we did get some uh, juicy anecdotes, <laughs> like about his plane, uh, for instance, and uh, like uh, basically allegations that he uh, basically brought Apple engineers out to like fix the soap dispenser on his yeah, plane. Yeah, that, 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 that was in a book. That was in a book, to be clear. That, that okay, was in a book. So it's that was not an allegation. No, it was not an allegation. Yeah. No, that, that was in a book that Tris, that Trip Markle, who wrote the New York Times story, wrote about. It's called After Steve. It's actually a really good book, and it's about basically the decade right. post. Steve Jobs. Yeah. And 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 it, it did highlight, you know, some of the ridiculous design decisions I think that happens when you don't have an editor. Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, no, no. That's that's very fair. I guess um, and, and by the way, that's very reminiscent of what Sheryl Sandberg was accused of doing with uh Lean In at Facebook, by the way. Uh, but I, I wanted to say I, I think there's a real there's a real question about Apple and where their design is today. Because, you know, on one hand, when you look at the current, like, Apple design aesthetics, it's clearly taken a step back from, like, the patent, patently absurd, right? Like, we'd all agree this generation of MacBooks is the best in a long time, and it's because it's more, you know, it's certainly minimalistic, but it's also more utilitarian. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's got all the things we love. The keyboard works. It's heavier. It's chunkier. It's got room for ports on it. I, I think we'd all agree that the Pro is back. On the other hand, a lot of the whimsy and the fun that I think Ooh. about with Apple design, it's also kind of gone, right? Like, no matter how you felt about, like, I think we'd all agree the 2010 Mac Pro uh, was a bit of a failure. But damn, if that wasn't a sexy-ass design, it was certainly interesting, right? And You mean I the 2013? You, 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 mean, you mean the trash can? 2013. The, the, the yeah, trash, trash can, can okay. Mac Pro. Apologies. Okay. Um you know, I don't, I, I can't think of a product that Apple is putting out like a, within like the last year or two or even really the last three or four years that really defined a category the way that an AirPod did, right? Right. So mm-hmm. like, how do we feel about, like, I think we'd all agree this design, this era of design, Apple is it's great and it's more usable, but it's less whimsical. Like, do we feel good about that? <laughs> okay, so it's I interesting mean, to go on. To the, so go on. Go on. <laughs> Sorry, I just started talking and then I choked on my own spit. Um, <laughs> so I might need to recover from that. I, I Actually, my, mine is short, so I'll, I'll go first. I feel like, yes, I am sad. However, I, I mean, looking at, say, the, the bra-shaped thing, that that could be termed whimsical in a way. And I would much rather have utilitarianism, I think, when it comes to Apple products, especially considering the way that I use them. And they've done some interesting things like instituting new colorways that I that I do really like. So I, that, that for me is enough whimsy, although I do definitely see your point. Christina? Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. So it's interesting because I think that no one will argue that Johnny Ive is, is one of the, the greatest, you know, kind of industrial designers of our time. He's not the greatest. I think that would be Dieter Rams, um, mm-hmm. for, who did Braun. I, 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 and, and that's, that's I think even Johnny Ive might agree with that somewhat. I, I'm not really sure how self-aware he is, but I think that like Rams is 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 kind of like the, the pinnacle. But I definitely think that that I did a lot of whimsical things and was a really great designer. I think, and this is what I think is interesting about Merkel's book After Steve, which is a really good read or or listen if if, if um you're an audible person. Um because it's something that I think, you know, we talk a lot about uh is the fact that, you know, Johnny Ive when once Steve Jobs was gone, I really do feel like he didn't have an editor anymore. He didn't have mm-hmm. anybody who was pushing back on him and stopping him from going to the extremes where you get, yes, a super thin and super light notebook, but also a keyboard that is untypable. And, yeah. and you get, you know, like some other, you know, kind of just designs that don't make, you know, sense and, and that, that aren't necessarily like you, you get a $25,000 watch right? Like that's an actual thing that really happened and, and that, that is sold at, that you can't upgrade and, and that becomes obsolete in 18 months, but is, is sold for $25,000. Like that's a real thing that happened. And so I, I don't know if anybody was in a position to push back on him. And I also don't know, you know, if you could, there's also, like, I was talking with a friend of mine about this who, um, pointed out because he always finds it hilarious that like the, the, the spaceship, right. Is mm-hmm. really beautiful by all accounts, is also really, really terribly designed, like from a functionality standpoint. Like (laughs) people run into walls because they don't know where they're going. You have to go down a set of stairs to meet someone to bring them up to the same level. Like it's, it's a dumb, dumb design in a lot of regards. And so I think that's what happens when you have someone who's incredibly talented, but like Steve and Johnny 
worked so well together because I think that, that you know, Steve Jobs was kind of the ultimate editor and they made each other better. And I don't think that, I think that without him, I don't know if Johnny Ive works the same way. I just don't. And so I agree that Apple's lost some of its whimsy and and they definitely need somebody who um, maybe has some of those design instincts again. But I, I don't know if at this point in his career, A, if that's Johnny Ive or B, like it's, again, it's one of those hard things. It's like Tim Cook can't tell Johnny Ive how to design things. You don't want to be a micromanager. But then what happens is, is that you release products like the Touch Bar MacBook Pros that, that quite <laughs> frankly, like I, I've said this in the last few um, Apple report cards that J- Jason Snell does, you know, they got really, really lucky that they knocked it out of the port park with the M1 machines because the the stink of that for a number of people who bought that as like their as their computer and had to get it repaired multiple times is not going to go away. Like that was a real problem. So I, I totally agree. I don't know if we'll ha- ever have anything again, maybe as iconic as white earbuds, which I've opined, I think is mm-hmm. maybe the ultimate fashion symbol of the last 20 years. And I think maybe the most enduring fashion item of the last 20 years has been white earbuds, starting with the original iPod and and continuing, you know, through AirPods and whatnot. But I also, I, I, I feel like when you just kind of let somebody go nuts, um, you you also get really bad designs from a from a use standpoint. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, that's why these things I, are built by a team, right? Is, you yeah. know, good ideas and then tempering ideas. No, a hundred percent. And you know, I think there are very fair questions. Like he was reportedly, what was the number? A hundred million dollars. Hundred million dollars uh, for, for three years. For and, and and who knows what writing. he did, right? Like yeah, it's freaking no. Did they ever right. call him? <laughs> I mean, from what I understand, probably not. I mean, I think that from the way the reporting made it seem, and, and again, I trust this reporter because he's clearly very connected to this stuff. You know, it seemed like people internally at Apple were mad that he was getting paid a hundred million dollars basically to do nothing. And then poaching members of the team for his own right. studio, right? So like that has oh, to feel so that, that that has to feel really, really bad. Um, and then if you have to imagine too, if you're on that design team, like you have to feel like you're in the shadow of this great, like this one of this all one of the all time great, you know, um, industrial designers. Uh, and and like how do you you know how do you grapple with that? You know how do you kind of stand out and create your own things? What'll be interesting? Well, I think you you start letting them be a you let them be a myth, right? Like mm-hmm. Johnny and I didn't come from nowhere right like steve steve jobs actively promoted him right like he got i mean he was very shy of press but like apple should like let some of their like junior designers like start speaking at keynotes right uh let them speak at wwdc like build that talent and and help build the mythos of a a new designer right it's not like I think that the MacBook is not where you want your whimsy just because it right. is it is the backbone of so many people's digital lives, including me, right? The iPhone is not where you want your whimsy. But I, I think that an Apple that was bolder with like doing some crazier stuff with maybe some of their accessories or their things like home pods. I think that's an apple I want to see. Like keep reaching for the stars, but maybe just don't do it on these things that are such incredibly expensive or, investments that yeah. Or maybe have have editors who are uh you know there to push back a little bit before you have like 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 the Apple Watch eventually became a hit, but Like way earlier in the process, even if you're not micromanaging, when you start talking about doing these like, you know, like like 
24 karat gold Apple watches and designing things in this way, like I think that you need to have some sort of sense of reality, which is to be like, okay, this is great. And maybe we do this as a one-off for a charity thing. And if there's demand, we do more. But we don't actually invest in actually making this an actual thing where we have to, you know, have it behind glass and a lock and key in our stores and we never sell it. And and it's, you know, kind of a, a, a joke. And then, you know, the entire – in that category, the entire – because of kind of that, they were initially leaning in on the fashion aspect. And that was, by all accounts, driven by Ive. The watch almost failed, and it wasn't until they pivoted it to health and fitness that it really, really, you know, took off and became a major mm. success. Where I think it will be interesting will be to see what the design of the headset is, because I think that that has a couple of things going for it. One, you could have some whimsy and some fun and and some some you know uh, things like that with it. But also, this is going to be their first new product since the Apple Watch. And uh, in terms of a product category. And so I think this that'll be the interesting thing, I think, to watch. It'll also be the first major new product, because um, I'm sorry, the HomePod doesn't count, you know, since, um, like, you know, since Johnny Ive left. And so I think that'll actually be really interesting to see is, like, what does what does that look like? And, and what does and, and that will probably be a, a good indicator of maybe where their design um, leanings will go in the future. Yeah. Absolutely. That was cold, Christina Warren. You just you <laughs> murdered the HomePod. I mean, the poor HomePod. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at mine right now, and I'm just, anyway. I love mine. I really do. I use it all the time, but that's just me. Well, now, so we, we are 54 minutes into this show. Do we want to move on to our end of show wrap-up? Or no, we, we, good. we can count. Well, what do you think? Yeah. No, I was going to say, do, did you want to just do our, our brief our brief dessert? Or I, I, yep. That? On the Second Life podcast, Cameron Diaz has expressed that she thinks she might have inadvertently been a drug mule early (laughs) in her career. Uh, Before she made it big as an actor, she was an unsuccessful model living in Paris and apparently booked one single job where she had to fly to Morocco carrying a suitcase of clothes given to her for the quote-unquote shoot. But... She didn't know where they came from or what was really in the suitcase. Who knows? LOL. Um, and now, of course, she is Cameron Diaz, which is a happy ending. But uh, yeah, absolutely wild. Um, I want credit for finding this dessert, yes, first yes, of all. Yes, yes, yes. Good, good job, Bree. Very good job. <laughs> but how do you not know? How do you not know? We weren't stupid in the 90s. How do you not know? I don't okay. believe this. I, 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 I don't know. Point, we were. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I kind of think that okay, but this is before like TSA. This is pre nine eleven. Yeah, this was like not only not only not only was it pre nine eleven, it was like early nineties. So you know, like I have to think that the security stuff for this was way more lax. Also, Broke Down Palace had not come out yet, which is the only reason I knew about the whole drug mule thing, and then was freaked out about ever letting anybody touch you my suitcase. You thought you going to be drug-muled? Well, no, I didn't want to be like Claire Danes and, and um, uh, uh, Kate Beckinsale, where like so I meet some hot guy who convinces me to go to Hong Kong, and then all of a sudden, you know, they find drugs on me, and I wind up in jail for 50 years. Man. Like, that, I, 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 that movie legit, like, you know, I was like, <laughs> do not take drugs through uh, the airport. Do not, like, you know, take the bag of a hot guy who you meet when you go to Thailand instead of Hawaii, like your parents were going to send you to. Like, there are many lessons from that film. So I I, I I can kind of believe that she might have been dumb enough. I, although I'm more inclined to think that like, 
she might have had an inkling that something was up. And then when she was questioned about it, she was just like, I have no idea what this is. And then they were like, you are blonde and pretty. We are going to let you go. Yeah, that that feels pretty legit to me. Yeah, I I, I was thinking back on this and I, I don't remember when they started doing those announcements like on the ferries in Seattle and then on airplanes of like, don't take a bag for someone. Don't accept someone else's bag to carry with you as a favor. Don't do that. Uh, but I feel like I was like conscious and somewhat alive and aware when it started happening, which would put it in the, in the 2000s at least. Um, so <laughs> I totally buy it, Brie. But, but you think she, you think she should have known better? I, I think that, I think you can't, like, there's a legal co- concept. You can't be, like, willfully blind to things. Oh, like, that's actually illegal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. It's a legal term. I didn't like, know if it was you're, illegal to kill someone. <laughs> like, like, if you're doing money laundering or something like that, you can't be like, oh, my my boss is a monster. I never thought there was no indication. Like, I, I don't know. I I don't find it credible, but I would be willing to talk to her and find out the details. Well, Cameron, if you're listening, we understand. (laughs) We sympathize. We'd love to have you on the show. I know this is just like a small part of a totally different podcast that you did, but we're, we're here. Always ready to listen. Thank you so much, Cameron, for listening. Yes, Cameron, please, (laughs) please. Also, thank you for Charlie's Angels um, because like the, the first one was good. And um, we, won't ta- <laughs> we won't talk about the Elizabeth Banks one. Um, Christina, uh, please, we're trying to get her on the show. No, she was involved in the Elizabeth Banks one. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. No, I'm talking okay. about the first one with Drew Barrymore and Lucy Liu. Come on. That one was Oof. amazing. So All thank right. you for that, Cameron. And, and like, we love you. Please, please come and talk to us. Also, like, your husband's really cool. And um, we both are friends with a woman named Brooke. So um, oh. please come on our <laughs> podcast. There you go. <laughs> Christina, what are you up to this week? Um, well, other than than trying to abuse um, a, a relationship to get Cameron Diaz on our podcast, uh, I am, um, I'm like back at work. So I was off all last week because all of GitHub was off, which was amazing. So I'm back at work and uh, it's, I've been out, I was out of the country for two weeks before that. So it's, it's, uh, I'm just kind of really like readjusting to uh, working normal hours again. So that's all I'm doing. Wow. Well, I am glad that uh, A, you got time off, and B, I hope going back to work is good. Brianna, what are you up to? I'm just watching some of my favorite uh, Cameron Diaz movies. You know, The Mask, uh, Bad Teacher, Bad Teacher. Bad Teacher is great. Vanilla Sky. Shrek. Shrek. Yeah, Vanilla Sky is Vanilla Sky is amazing. Mary. Mm -hmm. The End of Swingers, legit good. Uh, So please come on our podcast. We'd love to. With the Gangs of New York? Come on. Yeah. So true. Even though she has a face that's seen a smartphone. The sweetest thing. That the sweetest was so thing. Good. The sweetest thing is genuinely one of the best girl comedies ever. And I saw them in the theater um, on, on a date. And um, I so much enjoyed that film. And it is not appreciated enough. But yeah, The Sweetest Thing is great. Honestly, Aww. if we could get all three of those women on, Christina Applegate, uh, Selma Blair, and Cameron Diaz, that would be like the best rocket ever. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be a lot of crosstalk, but it'd be fun. There would, but it'd be great. Uh, all right. I am. Oh, God, I swear I had something that I was actually doing this week. I'm just back at work, working away, trying to talk myself into remembering the thing that I'm doing. 
Uh, but we've got a couple new episodes of our board game uh, series overboard up on the YouTube Ooh. channel, except we are only doing a board games by a loose definition for this little mini series we're doing of like summer games. So we did a, a clay RPG where we made like little characters out of clay and played a tabletop uh, RPG that Aww. Jenna designed. It was so good. She literally, we she, she was going to write the campaign and we were like, all right, great. A Jenna campaign. That's going to be fun. And then we show up in the office the day of recording and there's this like huge table covered in something mm-hmm. under a sheet. And we're like, what did you do? And she had purchased a rabbit maze and created a maze for us out of cardboard for us to put our little characters in. Uh, and oh it was so cool. So cool. Um, and then in the episode we released today, we played a flying disc game called Can Jam. Uh, super fun. Other than that, I am literally in recovery right now because we had two straight weeks of Formula One races. And it was really <laughs> hard on me emotionally. <laughs> so I'm just looking forward to sleeping this weekend. Oh shoot! Um, okay, wait. I think I can. I think I can say this because this is going to be coming out. Um, Thoy's day. I'm going to be on a stream with the ranged touch guys, um, and that'll be ah Saturday, July sixteenth. Uh, they're playing Elden Ring. I'm going to be on from two p.m. to three p.m. Nice. Eastern, just like shooting the s, uh, playing Elden Ring. Uh, for a charity. So that is going to be uh, delightful. It is for the Bridget Alliance. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, that's, of course, uh, an abortion care charity. Uh, come hang out. Uh, it's going. I, I wonder what part of the game they're going to be playing. Anyway, so that's Cameron Kunzelman. Um, if, you, if you know uh, any of his podcasts, he's great. Anyway, haha, what are Did we up to this Did you see week? how FromSoft sent uh, Let Me Solo Her, that guy, uh, his own sword? Did you see that? Did they? That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Brianna, where can we find you online? Uh, you can see me for as long as it exists. Uh, you can find me at Brianna on Twitter. Oh, Christina, what about you? Yeah, for as long as it exists, uh, film underscore girl on the Twitter and the Instagrams. And you can find my videos at work, including a new episode of The Download, which is back after several weeks off um, uh, at youtube.com slash GitHub. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter and everywhere else at Doom Quasar and at youtube.com slash Polygon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rockets. I hope that you enjoyed it and shall review it positively. In the podcatcher of your choice. Now I have to, I'm choking on my own spit again. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. Please give a five stars to help me stop choking on my own spit and learn to talk. I really appreciate it. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs>